3: Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And
1: online
0: at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome, your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go, even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us today on 980 AM KMBZ, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and at grillnationshow.com, where you can... Find all of my guests, pictures of my guests, and all the information about the Grill Nation show. It's a uh, holiday season, and around here we enjoy running a uh, best of shows at this time of the year. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying your holiday. Uh, excited to have you listening here today. We're gonna run a best of show, but first I wanna thank my partners and supporters of the Grill Nation show with Jason Grill. The title sponsors of the show are Trust, MoBank, BOK Financial, and Two West Advisors and Ryan Rink. Guest co-host and contributors to Grill Nation are The Rieger and Jay Rieger & Co., Ryan Maybe, One Light Luxury Apartments, and Reactor Design Studios and Clifton mm-hmm. Alexander, guest host and honor contributor. Thanks for your support of the Grill Nation Show. On today's best of show, we're talking to Barry Grissom in our first segment, a Pulsanelli attorney and former U.S. attorney. In our second segment, we're talking to Tom Pigott, who's the CFO of MGP Ingredients, great company here in Kansas City. In our third segment, we'll talk to Tori Fugate, who's the from KC Pet Project. And in our fourth segment, we'll talk to Neil Sharma, the CEO of DEG. Great show today. Thanks for listening. On today's show, we are going to start off with Barry Grissom, who is a former U.S. attorney. Uh, we're going to talk about cannabis prohibition. Uh, it's going to be a real interesting conversation. I've never really delved into this topic, but Barry has a long history as a U.S. attorney uh, for the District of Kansas, and he's a legal industry veteran, and uh, really excited to have him on the show. He was appointed uh, by President Barack Obama in 2010 uh, to U.S. Attorney position. He's now in private practice. So we're going to start off with him in our first two segments. And then our third and fourth segment today, we are going to have on a good friend of mine. Uh, grew up with this guy. Uh, actually went to grade school and high school together. Todd Mackin, who's the Vice President of Sales at the Kansas City Mavericks, formerly the Missouri Mavericks. I uh, want to have him come on and talk about some of the rebranding of the uh, Kansas City's hockey team as well as talk about some of the exciting things they have going on over there. Uh, he's, uh, he's a busy man, but I'm excited to have him in studio today here in our third and fourth segments to talk about what is going on with the Kansas City Mavericks as well as hockey here in the Kansas City region. You can connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. I'm also available on other social media handles. Just search for Jason Grill, such as Snapchat, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay, let's get started here with our first guest, uh, Barry Grissom. Welcome to the show. Former U.S. Attorney for the District of Kansas. Uh, how you doing, man?
3: I'm doing great. Glad to be here.
0: Glad to have you here. Uh, never met you in person, I don't believe. You know, we, I was in politics for a while, but always have been kind of curious as an attorney, as someone who's been kind of in the public affairs world, but had heard your name many times but never uh, connected with you, so I'm happy to have you on the show.
3: Well, I'm glad to be here. Glad so to be
0: tell here. us about your background first, and uh, we'll get into more of the cannabis topic here in a little bit.
3: Sure. I was in private practice here in Kansas for a little over 27 years. Uh, I represented folks uh, in uh, discrimination claims, uh, over failure to pay overtime by employers to employees, uh, basically, what I like to call people law, mm-hmm. and uh, which was kind of a nice feeder or segue to what I did as a U.S. attorney. Uh, I always viewed the U.S. attorney's office as one of those great positions where you could do great good, mm-hmm. and you had the power of the federal government behind you to do those things. So it was uh, an amazing opportunity. And uh, so I just, you know, I, I miss it every day. So, so
0: way. when you were in private practice, take us through the. The uh you know how do you become a U.S. attorney? I don't think a lot of people know that. No, they don't. <laughs> and
3: uh, as I, I as when I, mean, I as maybe some of your listeners may know, there are ninety three United States attorneys mm-hmm. at any given time in the country, and that's because there's ninety three federal judicial districts. And you represent the interest of your client, the United States of America, whether it's a matter of bringing a criminal charge against somebody, or whether you're uh, representing the interests of the social security administration mm-hmm. or the veterans administration. So all those governmental agencies, uh, is your, are your clients. Uh, I be- was, uh, active in Kansas politics and I had the great luck and good fortune to be, uh, good friends with Congressman Dennis Moore, mm-hmm. uh, who I still, uh, think just the world of will give me this opportunity. And, He was a
0: very pragmatic, uh, legislator. He was. He was,
3: he, he was, Dennis was a consensus builder. Mm -hmm. Dennis was not an ideologue. Uh, Dennis, I think, encapsulated what is the best above a public servant. He, uh, did such an amazing job with, uh, being responsive to his constituency. Uh, I don't think there was a weekend that Dennis didn't get back to the district, Mm -hmm. uh, to be at any number of events, but he always made himself available to folks uh he wasn't a hard and fast partisan uh, i I miss that kind right. of politician d c right so we need that right in, now in, indeed, so Do you me. had
0: a relationship. you never were an elected official, but you uh kind of were uh, active in politics.
3: yeah, I was never elected. I served uh as Dennis's legal counsel in his very first congressional race um, and after president uh president well, then Senator Obama, I was part of a fundraising team mm-hmm. uh, for the senator. And uh, after the president, the senator then one became president, mm-hmm. um, I got a call and uh, from uh, Dennis and said, uh, what would you think about being a United States attorney? Would you That's have a, it's interest? an interesting call to get, right? Absolutely. As a lifelong lawyer. Absolutely. As a lawyer, I tell everyone it's, it's the best job you'll ever have as a lawyer because all those reasons you used to tell your mom and your dad and your friends of your parents about this is why I want to go to law school. Mm-hmm. I got to do all those things.
0: Wow.
3: And you're the U.S. attorney. You get to be out there not only to protect people and communities, but you also are out there not only protecting them from bad guys, but protecting their civil rights, Mm -hmm. doing the things necessary that people can go to their house of worship and and not fear for their safety, Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, be able to uh, exercise your right to vote, be able to do all the things that we as American citizens just take for granted. But you're able to be the watch guard, the guardian, to make sure those things happen.
0: Do you go through a confirmation process, right?
3: You do. You are you are nominated by the president, then you will go through a very lengthy Mm -hmm. vetting process. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it for everyone. (laughs) uh, And then you're ultimately uh, confirmed by the Senate. Mm -hmm. And after you're confirmed, uh, you're a member of the executive branch. You are. Uh, uh so you working and We know that's
0: a tough process for a lot of guys and gals it, out there.
3: It is. And you know, I like to say that mine moved at uh, I guess what they would in DC call light speed. My vetting was only 7 months long. Uh what they do is they ask you to give them 25 names of people to talk to, and then they ask those folks for names. So I think in my vetting uh process, over a 100 people were That's questioned. interesting. Yeah. Uh I'm 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 sure there's a, a couple of them that they didn't find it would probably would have hindered my <laughs> but but uh so, luckily like, everybody said good things i guess
0: so you did that uh until uh Obviously, there's a new administration, so mm-hmm. April 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that was an interesting thing. Now, You represent most of Kansas, or was it just Topeka, Wichita? What was your area?
3: Well, we, uh, you're the U.S. Attorney for the District of Kansas. Okay. The entire so the state. federal district. Yes. Yeah. The entire federal district.
0: Because yeah. in Kansas City, you know, we have the Western District, the Eastern District. That's right. And Ka- in, in Missouri on, in Missouri, me.
3: right. And, in, and most, a lot of states in the Midwest, like, you know, the, the Dakotas, uh, Nebraska, uh, Colorado, Nevada, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. That's a single judicial district. So you have one U.S. attorney. But there are states like Missouri where you have Eastern and Western. You know, I think Florida has three. California has four. Uh, New York has, I think, believe three. Interesting. Yeah.
0: You're listening to Grill Nation with Jason Grill. My guest uh, today is Barry Grissom. Following Barry, we'll have Todd Mackin from the KC Mavericks. Thanks for joining us today on 9:80 a.m. KMBZ. <laughs> Listening to a best of Grill Nation. Hello, and welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill. Thanks for listening today on 980KMBZ and on GrillNationshow.com. Appreciate you also listening today on iTunes and Stitcher Radio for those who enjoy the podcast version of the show. Uh, with me again today is Michael Viazzoli, who is the CEO and president. Correct, Michael? I, I'm trying to make sure I have uh, your title right. Bank of Kansas City. Well, but, uh, but, it is now, now formally Mobank. Now, now it's Mobank. That's I just right. wanted to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah, we talked about that in our first segment today. Amazing what you all have done, and exciting to see what Mobank has uh has done as well. I love the new
4: branding. Yep, it looks great. And we're still working through the Mobank brand and the BOK Financial brand and how they go away. Bank Kent City. We we spent a lot of time building that over ten years, and and uh decided to sunset that one in favor of the Mobank. Brand. It looks good.
0: Yep. I like it. Uh, I'm really excited about our guest today on the show. <clears throat> Michael has uh, has worked hard, and we have Tom Pigott on uh, the line. Actually, he is the chief financial officer at MGP Ingredients, a uh, great company here locally. Uh, their website is mgpingredients.com. They're headquartered in Atch- Atchison, Kansas. They began in 1941 as a small distiller operation in the heart of America's grain belt. They've grown uh, tremendously uh and they're doing some really cool things here in the Kansas City region and throughout the country. Tom, welcome to the show. How are you today?
1: Thank you. Doing well. Uh, glad to join you folks.
0: It's glad to have you, Tom. Um okay, so we know that you kind of took on this role as the CFO uh in late 2015, which I can't believe that's almost uh a year and a half, two years ago, yeah. time flies, but tell us a little about your background and uh, what you did before you came into MGP, because I know that you are a new Kansas Cityan and uh, have done a lot of different things in the Chicago area, uh, including uh, being a, a Notre Dame grad, which I, uh, I go uh, fighting Irish, I've always yeah. uh, been a fan of Notre Dame, but you, uh, you've uh, spent some time outside of Kansas City, so take us through your background. Yeah.
1: Sure. Thanks. So, yeah, I grew up in Chicago. I was one of seven kids. Uh, I went to Notre Dame. Um, I, uh, I'll tell you a brief story. So, uh, my father was putting us all through school, and uh, as a freshman at Notre Dame, I uh, I told my mom I was going to be a liberal arts major, and then an hour later, uh, the phone rang. It was my dad, <laughs> and uh, he asked me how I was going to pay for the degree. So, uh, I became an accounting major coming out of Nerdane. And uh, I worked in Chicago uh, for more than 20 years uh, in uh, CPG with Kraft Foods, with uh, uh, Nestle, uh, Ram McNally. And um, then, uh, so at, at Kraft, I was the, uh, the CFO of the most profitable business unit at Kraft, the Gro- Meal Solutions Unit, which was all the dry grocery products in Kraft. Uh, and then Kraft got acquired uh, by 3G, and um, and so uh, I needed to look for new opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I got a call from a head hunter about this uh, small company in Atchison, Kansas, and and uh, I came down and interviewed with Gus Griffin and and uh, Dave Rindom and Janine Strandjord, one of the board members, and. Um, Exciting to learn about the company and the people and the strategies. And so um, I told my wife, I don't know if I'm getting this job, but I'm going to buy stock in this company because uh, I could see what uh, what potential was there.
0: What and was that? Li- so, what was that like, Tom, when you uh, got a headhunter reaching out to you about a job in Hatchison, Kansas, coming from a uh, third largest city in the country?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, um, you know, it was like uh, what was it? What excited me was. Uh, One, um, you know, I'd been in Chicago my whole career and it was an opportunity to try something new and uh, also just coming down here and uh, meeting the people, uh, uh, Gus and Dave Rendon and Janine and and just uh, uh, touring the town, Kansas City is, what what I tell people is like a, it's a mini version of Chicago with all the, you know, you can get around it so much easier I live downtown and uh, commute out to Atchison, uh, and uh, it, it's just uh, it's a fun it's a fun place to live. It, it really is. So, <laughs> uh, you know, initially had some hesitations, but as I as I learned more and met more folks, uh, very excited to come down here.
0: For our listeners who might not know, how far is Atchison from downtown?
1: Yeah, it's about a forty-five minute drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's a, it's an easy drive. It's a very easy drive. We have at MGP, we have. I want to say about a third of our, uh, Kansas, our, our, uh, Atchison workforce living in the greater Kansas city area.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about MGP. Uh, tell us about kind of the history of the company, but also tell us about what you guys focus on now. I know that's, it's, it's, uh, not just alcohol, it's also food.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the company, as you mentioned, was founded 75 years ago and, um, uh, by Cloud Cray Sr. and uh, Karen Seberg is uh, is the founder's granddaughter and she's the per- chairperson of the board. Um, the company has, is a public company list, listed on NASDAQ. Uh, revenues of $300 million. Um, the market cap's about $900 million now um, and we have two main lines of business. Uh, first is the distillery product segment and uh, The company has two distilleries. One is here in Atchison that makes gin and vodka, and the other is in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, that makes premium bourbons and whiskeys. And basically what we do is we provide the liquid, and other companies buy our products, uh, mix them, create brands, sell and distribute them. And uh, we are... uh, uh, we're the largest uh, supplier of, of rye whiskey in the US and mm. as you guys are probably familiar, um, that is a very hot product these days uh, so uh, with this whole cocktail culture that's evolving. Um, so then uh, so that's the distillery segment and then uh, we have a food ingredients business and uh, that provides specialty proteins and starches to branded food companies and the ingredients are used in products like uh, bread and soups and sauces. Uh, High-protein products, high-fiber products uh, benefit from from the ingredients we make. And that's all pr- produced in Atchison.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I had, I, I'd I heard of you guys, obviously, and you, you were always uh, on my radar. But uh, until I talked to Michael, you know, you don't really understand just how large this really is. Right,
4: Michael? And, and Tom, one of the, the reference points I always found interesting is the your place – in producing the brown goods relative to some of the captive manufacturers?
1: Yeah. What's, uh, what's exciting now is so uh, we have – the company purchased a few years ago the Lawrenceburg Distillery, and uh, it was an old Seagram's facility that, uh, quite frankly, had not been kept up, and uh, it had not been uh, uh, efficiently managed, I would say. And MGB came in with its uh, experience at the Atchison facility, and really kind of redid a lot of things. Now uh, Lawrenceburg is the fifth largest bourbon distillery in the U.S. And um, what's happened now with the with the growth of bourbon and and, and rye whiskey, um, a lot of producers are at capacity. So part of our role in the industry is to backstop. Uh, people that that want to get uh, rye whiskey and we support in bourbon and we support uh, large multinational companies and quite frankly a lot of small craft players that that want to do their own custom blends and and work with our distillery experts uh, to produce a product. So uh, that facility gives us, is a large scale facility and and gives us a nice uh, competitive advantage.
0: So so when I yeah so when I see uh, on the shelf I see a local Kansas City whiskey or rye obviously um when they first start out they can't make their own stuff so they they can't they they're just they have to go to someone to help out so you guys kind of are supplying all of this uh throughout the country which is interesting because there is such a huge movement you know we saw the craft beer movement uh but now the craft cocktail movement is is taking over and we're we're seeing a lot of growth here in Kansas City with you know a handful to more of local bourbon companies or gin companies or vodka companies. I mean, it's amazing how it's growing.
1: Yeah, it's. A, I tell you, it's a fun industry to work with, and a lot of great partnerships evolve over time. Um, and, yeah, to, to your point, you know, if you're going to launch a bourbon, uh, you know, you don't – you have to – typically you want to age the product three or four years um, so that's where an mgP can come in and, and help you get started um, and uh, work with you on a blend and create something new and interesting um, that that you can launch with your own trademark on it um, the other the other aspect of the business is just getting going um, which Michael mentioned is we're just starting to launch our own brands which uh, which is a lot of fun so no. now we're putting our own our own name
0: on on the products. Mhm. We got about a minute and a half left in this yep. segment. Tom Piggott is the CFO of MGP Ingredients. The website is mgpingredients.com. The company was founded in 1941, located in Atchison, Kansas. So you have over 300 employees and you're is that correct? And you're also on the yep. Nasdaq uh, since 1988 you've been a publicly traded company, which is interesting. Uh, over 300 employees, that's that's great.
1: Yeah, I mean, really Hardworking, dedicated people. It's it's fun to come in here uh, as a new employee and just the, the willingness of everybody to learn and to, to grow uh, under Gus's leadership. I mean, Gus and I are both relatively new to the company, and uh, Gus came in, uh, Gus Griffin, our, our CEO, came in a few years ago, and, and that's the one thing that he and I talk about is uh, how much we love uh, working with the teams here and, and how adaptable the company's been.
0: Mm-hmm. Your website has a lot of great information, uh, key facts, your leadership, your mission and values, but also goes through and breaks down the different kinds of alcohol you guys um, create and food. Uh, it's amazing how many different foods that you work on uh, as well. Tom Piggott is our guest today. I'm joined by Michael Viazzoli, who is with Mobank, and uh, they've been doing some exciting things as well. You should check that out. Uh, we'll be back with more after the break with Tom. I want to get into some of the brands that they're now putting out, uh, with their own label and also talk about uh, the involvement of the community of MGP Ingredients. They've been in, uh, in the community for many years in Kansas City region. So I want to get into that more with Tom. Well, we are listening to Grill Nation Show. We'll be right back after the break. Thanks for joining us. I
5: got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Ooh. Ooh.
1: To a best of Grill
0: Nation. Hey, welcome to Grill Nation. Welcome. You're back. listening I'm to Gros a best Jason of Grill, Grill Nation. On KMBZ 980 AM on and on GrillNationShow.com as well as uh, thanks for joining us via podcast on iTunes this afternoon and today or however you're listening. Uh, please connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. I'm also available on all of their social media handles. to search for Jason Grill. Uh, really excited about our next guest today. Appreciate her coming into the studio today. Uh, Tori Fugate is the let me make sure I have your title right here, Tori, uh, director of marketing and development at KC Pet Project, and they do a lot of great things here in Kansas City. I wanted to have her on one to talk about my dog and to get some feedback from her, and also to talk about what the what uh, what's going on at KC Pet Project. They're always involved. And so many different things, and um, they have a an interesting thing coming up here soon about an animal shelter that we'll talk about, a big campaign, but also want to just kind of talk about the basics of what KC Pet Project does and, and about how, all the different things they do here in Kansas City and the region and, and how many uh, animals they serve. So welcome to the show.
5: Thank you for having me. Great like to have you here. on.
0: Uh, so take us through, you've been there for a while now, KC Pet Project.
5: Five years this month, actually, so okay. it's been Long time.
0: Working out out of an interesting dynamics there, right? Uh
5: Uh-huh. We're making it work as much as we can with the current facility that we're working
2: out of. Tell me about that.
5: So we took over operations of the Kansas City, Missouri Animal Shelter in 2012. Um, Historically, the Kansas City, Missouri Shelter was not a wonderful place for Mm -hmm. animals to go to. Um, It was considered a very high-kill facility in the nation. Um, About 70% of the animals that were going into the shelter, weren't leaving the shelter as early as 2008. So um, the city at one point um, said, we want a nonprofit to run it. They opened it up for a bid. Nobody bid on it. They A lot of people considered it too hard. Um, the facility was built in the 70s, too outdated, too small, and no life-saving could really happen there. So when nobody bid on it, our group um, was formed specifically to take over operations of the shelter, and we were formed as a company in late 2011 and took over January 1st, 2012.
0: And that is over, the current animal shelter is over by the stadiums.
5: Right, it's right by Arrowhead and Kauffman Stadiums. Um, It kind of sits off the road. It's on Raytown Road, but we're the Kansas City shelter, so it's a little confusing for people, but we are the city shelter for Kansas City, Missouri, taking in all of your stray pets. Um, all of the abandoned pets, injured, ill, and even, um, owner surrendered pets for Kansas City all come to us. Mm-hmm.
0: And if you've gone to an Arrowhead, uh, you've definitely driven by. You
5: have driven by. And I by never
0: it. noticed it until I got to know you all. Yep. I never, never, never looked that way.
5: I used to work at Arrowhead and I had no idea that there was an animal <laughs> shelter that had been there for a long time, so.
0: So how many animals do you guys see come in on a weekly basis?
5: Well, on a weekly basis, actually on a daily basis, we take in around 30 animals a day. 30 so animals a day. It's a lot. Um and some many, days
0: that's just incredible to me.
5: Yeah, some days are more, some days are less, but you have to imagine what if 30 animals arrived at your doorstep today? What would you do and how would you move them to a new home or try to get them back to their homes? Um and you you know think one day that seems exhausting. Well then the next day there's 30 coming in and then the next day. So um we get around 10,000 animals a year that come into All our kinds. shelter. All, All kinds. kinds. Mostly dogs and cats. and cats. Um we take in about 6,000 dogs, 3,500 cats. And then the rest are other pets. So we uh, have chickens, and occasionally a goat comes in, and a pig, and some exotics. We've taken a lot of rabbits lately, to um, pet really? rats. Everything <laughs> except for large hooved animals come into the shelter.
0: Wow. And how many? How many are reconnected with their owners?
5: We. That's curious
0: to me because, you know, you see a lot of do- not a lot, but in some part of parts of the city, there are abandoned dogs.
5: Yeah, there's more than around. others in certain parts of the yeah. city. So we're reuniting around 1200 pets with their owners. Um, throughout what's the, the year? best
0: process for that? So if I, if I'm driving down the street and I see a dog running around and it obviously is. Been outside for quite a while, you know, in the wintertime.
5: Absolutely. If you are a Kansas City, Missouri resident, you have a couple options. One, you can pick up that animal and bring it to the shelter. Um, it's a twenty dollars drop-off fee that that helps us cover their intakes, their vaccinations, and um, just the general overall care. Mm-hmm. That is a city mandated fee, and it's you know twenty dollars that just helps us care for that pet. Or you can call animal control. That's the 311 action line and report the missing animal. Um, if you have it in your care or if you see a stray animal wondering, you can call animal control and they can go and check on that animal.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I always wonder if sometimes pets get away, right? Mm-hmm. And parent, and, and I always wonder about that family that might have lost their pet. And so that's hopeful that if they have that they can, you know, you connect it again to them. Yep. Now, more times than not, it's, it's not that situation, right?
5: Right. Your pet's <laughs> got to be wearing a tag. Um, yeah. I see more dogs and cats come in with collars on with no tag, and they're not microchipped. So it's like, you know, why do you have a collar on if there's no tag and there's no way to identify it? So that makes it really that much harder for us to reunite a pet with their owner um we hold them for 5 days uh, for the owner to come in and reclaim them and once that 5th day is up they're either put up for adoption or um you know we transfer a lot to rescue groups all over the country. Um so there's a lot of of options so, for
0: us. And and it's really exciting. And how many people are at the KC Pet Project? You have a lot of volunteers, right?
5: We have a lot of volunteers. <laughs> we have a wonderful army of volunteers and fosters who help us care for our pets um at all of our locations. Um, and we have around 100 paid staff between mm-hmm. all of our um, adoption centers. We have three adoption centers in the Kansas City metro area. Um, we have our main shelter, of course, and then one up by Zona Rosa. Um, it's a an adoption center that houses about 60 to 70 pets at any given time, and it's open seven days a week. And then our Petco Adoption Center at the 95th and Quivira Petco Store in Overland Park. I did
0: not know that.
5: Yep. So we have two other places that you can go at any time and adopt a pet, and we actually partner with, um, five additional Petco stores in the metro area to adopt out cats. So we have eight locations now that you can adopt a KC Pet Project animal. So all over town, and they're all on our website um, if you're interested in any yeah, of those Yeah, what locations. is the website? KCPetProject.org is our website. You can see all of our adoptable pets. We also have a mobile app for iPhone and Android that is free, and people can download it and see our pets at any given time if you love scrolling through and looking at all the cute pets we have available for adoption.
0: Tori Fugate, director of marketing and development at KCFA Project, is our guest. Um, okay, so I've went through the process. Mm-hmm. I have I've gotten a puppy from you all. Mm-hmm. Met him at the uh, press conference.
5: You got a famous puppy. I got a
0: famous puppy. He yes. is. Uh, he's big now. He's bigger. I guess he weighed about twenty. weighs about twenty pounds
5: now. Yeah. When I was, got
0: him, he was about five.
5: He was really cute. So. He
0: was very cute. Mm-hmm. He he's a lot of energy. His name's Ralphie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never had a dog before. Really. In My life. Uh, that I actually, you know, as a kid and, yeah. uh, girlfriend has a dog and that's kind of why I wanted to adopt my own dog with her. Um, but anyways, it has been a interesting experience. And they're buds. He, he they are buds, but he's at month, uh, nine, I think now. Mm-hmm. He, your, your documentation said he was born in July. So I just made it July 4th.
5: Right. There you there. go. <laughs> that's his, that's his birthday.
0: But, um, yeah, it's been interesting. The whole potty training, f- uh, days and the, amount of energy a dog like him has he's a mixed terrier mix as you know right jack russell and a bunch of other stuff we did a dna test all ears but um Years he, for days. <laughs> yeah he has major ears yeah. but uh he was kind of the the show dog you had at the uh bark of the park and he's now being utilized in their uh, ads and i've asked the royals for for royalties for him and his friends <laughs> for tickets because
1: he that's that's famous. one of
0: the famous photos but yeah so i've i've actually gone through the process and uh you know, it was really exciting, and everyone was really nice, and it wasn't that hard. I mean, we went through the proper protocols, filled out the paperwork, did the background, paid the fees, had the vaccinations done, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's been fun. So, I mean, I can't imagine getting 30 of those animals a day. And okay, just,
5: and yeah, pets are a lot of uh, responsibility, but, you know, we we really make an effort, even though the pets can go home the same day whenever people come in to adopt. That's a wonderful thing that you don't see yet. um a lot of shelters, more shelters are starting to do that now with same-day adoptions. Um, but we really sit down with an adopter and we go over their lifestyle. Um, you know, does the pet, or do you have a backyard? Do you not have a backyard? Do you live in an apartment? Do you... Um, you know, jog a lot. We're going to try to find the best fit for you and your family whenever you come in to Adopt a Casey Pet Project. And, you know, we'll make um suggestions if we know that a dog is really hyper and needs a lot of energy, maybe um, not the best for an apartment. Um, but we can that, find I you listened. a good fit. I should
0: have listened on Ralphie then. <laughs> no, nah, he's, he's a good guy. <laughs> he's a good guy. Um, but, yeah, so that's the greatest part about it is there is a lot of available dogs right. and cats, and you can... You can find one that maybe fits your family. Now, me, I remember walking away with that puppy thinking, Oh, the puppy's so cute, you know, and, and um, He's maybe, a puppy. maybe my first, first, uh, adoption should have been a, uh, a dog. Yeah. <laughs> not a puppy. But, um, but anyways, it does, it does change your life. Uh, that's for sure with, you know, with timing because you gotta take them out a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you're busy like we are, yep. you've gotta figure all that out. Yep. And, uh, I took them to daycare for the first time. I was sad. That was that was an interesting process, but he survived. He survived. So, anyways, uh, it's a great organization. And what I want to talk to you about next, Tori, is uh, you are working very hard on a campaign, and so give our listeners just a little elevator pitch about what's going on. Uh, We got about a minute left in this segment, and then in the final segment, we'll take a deeper dive into that.
5: Okay. So on April fourth, Kansas City, Missouri residents are going to have the opportunity to vote on. Um, a geobond initiative that the city has put forth, um, for questions one, two, and three. Um, question one being the roads, sidewalks, bridges. Question two being flood control. And question three is, um, improvements to public buildings. That includes a new animal shelter for Kansas City, Missouri. I can't stress how critically needed this is for our pets that are living in Kansas City, Missouri, that are coming to our shelter, our Current shelter is past its usable life, and we are hoping that... a trailer, basically. Yep, we have a trailer that we're working out of currently. So, um, yeah, we're going to be uh, voting on April 4th, and we encourage all residents to do the same.
0: And there's a website set up um, for that. It's called kc.org. Correct. Raise the woof. Right? Raise the woof. <laughs> um, that has been been a process. You guys have been working on this a long time, and uh, it's getting close to... to uh, it's a D-Day here. You gotta, it's you true. gotta vote and uh, get out there. And we'll go over that more, uh, about why it's so important and, and what the actual campaign is doing, uh, after the break. You're listening to Grill Nation. I like- To a best of Grill Nation, welcome back, Grill Nation with Jason Grill. Thank you again for joining us. Connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill. We're listening. You're listening to 980 AM and iTunes today. Uh, been a great show, guys. Uh, Neil Sharma, CEO and co-founder of DEG, and Michael Viazoli, President and CEO of Bank of Kansas City. Interesting conversations throughout the show, for sure. For sure. Um, first off, before we get into civic engagement, because that's important to you, Neil, uh,
2: talk to me about one of the things that you. Tell entrepreneurs about winning and learning. Yeah, you know, I think there's a big conversation just going off our last conversation about Kansas City and how Kansas City doesn't really do well with failure. And I think, I think, that's, I, I think that's kind of I, – I get it because we are, we are folks that have, have had tremendous entrepreneurial stories, the three we mentioned at the end of the last segment, but also prior to that. If you just look around from H&R Block to, to Marion Labs, I mean, it's just a tremendous entrepreneurial town. So we have to obviously be okay at Mm -hmm. failure. We're just better at winning, right? And so that's uh (laughs) and we handle it better. But I think it really comes down to what you class as a failure. And I think entrepreneurs, in fact everybody in my view, ought to be looking at failure as only those instances in life where you don't learn from whatever happened. And so uh I was asked not too long ago about, you know, do I fail or can we could we talk about it last time? Uh, that, that DEG has failed. And my response was, uh, we don't fail. We either win, uh, or we learn. And the only time we fail is if we don't learn from whatever the mistake was or whatever happened. Mm-hmm. So we look at it in those contexts. There will be hiccups along the way. We don't do everything right all the time. We make right 100% of the time, but we don't do everything right, um, uh, all the time. And so it, learning from that is critical to the advancement of that snowball we talked in the earlier segment. Of making sure you're building upon everything you did before or the day before and, and keep that snowball moving. And so, um, I try to focus our folks in a very entrepreneurially driven, uh, company. And I, um, and I like to really talk to other entrepreneurs that way about, uh, about focusing on what they can change, what they can do, what they can learn from whatever might be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then go out and win. Good feedback there. One My thing question. I was
4: going to add is when a lot of times when people talk about entrepreneurism and the topic of risk or failure. Mm-hmm. People look at it as binary. You're either going to be success or you're going to be failure. And certainly what I've seen is an evolution of people getting a lot more comfortable with taking on risk. Right. And different people are at different points in that pendulum. But I think we're getting a whole lot more comfortable with this idea of risk. We've now seen some areas of success of taking risk and what that means. Um, And you don't hear a whole lot about the failures. Um, but I think people recognize that are more comfortable with that idea, but they understand there's this gray area that we need to walk in. Oh, I think
2: that's right, right. and I think I think look, Kansas City is going to be less patient with uh, an entrepreneur or anyone who's dismissive of the mistake or the lesson that needs to be learned as yeah. well. So I'm not suggesting you know that you kind of brush it off and keep going, but I think I think you got to learn from it, right? And you got to get to look at it, see what we could do better and how we can improve, but you can't wallow in it, right? You can't just live right. there. Uh, you got to move on to the next day i once saw trent green uh speak on a panel and um and he also he always would focus his uh huddle back on the next snap he'd get sacked he'd get everyone together and say okay next snap just focus on the next snap and i think that's the same kind of attitude we're talking about with respect to risk is try it yeah. right you miss up a shot you don't try that's a cliche but it's true and if you don't win go win because winning's important but if you don't win right learn from whatever happened right yeah. and pick it up and win the next day I love it, guys. Um, Neil, Civica involvement and advancement is
0: important to you. You're on the board of Alliance for Childhood Education, involved with KC Rising, uh, and do some other things here in town. Real briefly, talk to us about what Alliance for Childhood Education is.
2: Yeah, the Alliance for Childhood Education is really focused on, uh, education reform in both the state of Kansas and Missouri. So it's, uh, it's a bi-state effort. Uh, and it's really focused on bringing some core principles and how we look at, uh, at our, early childhood education all the way uh, to post-secondary education. Uh, and we have some core principles, principles of accountability, of transparency, of innovation, uh, but most importantly, I would say, of focusing on the right answers for the child, focusing all the ed reform efforts on the child. So we sponsored a very big effort that did not succeed uh, in the Missouri side, uh, but really defined a funding mechanism for um, universal pre-K in the state of Missouri. Uh, That has failed uh, multiple times before, and we've gotten we got a lot further along than um, others have. And my answer to folks, uh, one way or my who ask, you know, why why should this funding mechanism be the mechanism versus the other? My answer is always, you're either going to let another generation of kids um, not get the childhood education that they need, Mm -hmm. which is what sets them up for success in the rest of their K through 12. Is what happens from the age of two to five. Anybody who's been a parent knows that the brain they can watch the brain expand. Now watch how much that that mm-hmm. that toddler two, to 2 to 5 soaks up. And so we really wanted to try to bring Universal Pre-K to Missouri and we're still going to try that. Um in Kansas the budget situation is what it is. I think more than anything what we're trying to do is make sure there aren't further cuts or damage uh to uh, education in Kansas. In particular, the SIF fund, which is a fund that was funded by the tobacco settlement money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um we stand against getting that cut any further. That's what that was there for children. Um, and so we're really trying to push that. But what we're now going to start to expand is how do we do things programmatically? How do we do things in the Kansas City community? But how do we really try to change the landscape by taking some of those ideals and applying them forward? So accountability, transparency, innovation, and most most above everything, focusing on that on mm-hmm. that child. And Casey Rising is a uh, a venture fund. Uh, no, it is. It is. Well, that came out of the Casey Rising effort. So Casey Rising was put together after the Brookings Institute said that no matter all the good work that we've done, and we've done a tremendous amount of good work over the last five years, we're being uh, at this pace, we could be left behind by the economic recovery mm-hmm. uh, that the United States has been uh, um, experiencing. And so it was pulled together. Um, Scott Smith, Doug Durad, uh are chairing it. It's pulled together to find and write effectively a business plan. Uh, for Kansas City that has some signature initiatives across three major areas, but also um, uh, so also a bunch of initiatives that fall out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, there are a lot of efforts focused on the people uh, arena. Uh, there's a lot of efforts focused on domain expertise. There's like where we have strength, engineering and, and architecture, for example, is one area. Um, and there's a lot of efforts around innovation. And one of the initiatives that came out of innovation was the fund was the fund. So Darcy, Howe led a fund. And this really gets back to this question or this point about risk that Michael brought up. One of the things we've seen in kind of venture investing in Kansas city for startups is that a lot of folks are not sort of familiar or used to making this kind of big bet venture investments in Kansas city. There are Mm -hmm. a few folks we all know in town that do it, but they're often the same folks. And so, what Darcy's idea was – the idea that came out of that group was to have a sidecar fund that would invest alongside these these venture capital companies who did all the due diligence and sort of vetted the companies and gave folks, uh, passive investors, an opportunity to get into well-vetted uh, – uh, by venture capitalists, well-vetted startup companies that they can help be a part of as part of their investment uh, portfolio. Great idea. She's had been remarkably successful Focus on Kansas City companies and focus on venture investing in Kansas City companies. I mean the latest, greatest example of that is Bloom, yep. which just closed a nine, you know, more than nine, nine million, million. Series yeah. B round. And they're one of the fastest growing, I guess, robo investors that are out there. Again, right here in, in town. Yeah, barn's got about
4: four or five investments now. That's I right. Mean, they've done some really neat
2: work. Exactly right. Yep. We're right out of time here, guys. Oh, Next generation of Kansas
0: City, you're excited about it?
2: Yeah, you know, I think, like I said, you know, they've got the kind of swagger that, that uh, we need, but what they haven't necessarily been indoctrinated with is what you see in a lot of the established families in any big city, uh, which is the sense of noblesse oblige, this idea that to whom much is given, much is expected. We do a pretty good job of that as parents. I try to do that with my kids, but as a community – Um, A lot of these established families who recognize that the community had given them so much really instilled in their children what they had to do to give back. And that's what you see in the halls, and that's what you see in the Kempers. Um, And we are lucky as a community to have them. We need to do a better job of organizing that around the next generation of folks who could be involved uh, civically, this notion of do much is given, much is expected. I love it. Neil Sharma, CEO, DEG. D-E-G-Digital.com. Michael Vizoli, Bank
0: of Kansas City, President and CEO of BankofKansasCity.com. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Great, great conversation. Can't wait to do it again. It'll be a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today on Grill Nation. We'll see you again soon. Take care. Have a good one.
2: the